This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Philadelphia's Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. A closer look. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martirano. What we do here is we talk about the disease of addiction and substance abuse in general, as well as the road to recovery. Not as well as, but in particular, the road to recovery. Recovery Radio is, of course, sponsored by Retreat Behavioral Health, about which more in just a moment or two. We're we're going to embark on a program today and get as deeply as we can in a big topic that is probably most often overlooked when people talk about, well, what goes on in treatment? What kinds of things are important? What, what do I need to know about? Uh, we're going to talk about nutrition. As it turns out, um, March is a nutrition month. There's a month for everything, uh, and March has been designated for nutrition. We thought we would take a look at the role of food, cooking, and nutrition in the context of a successful recovery plan. To that end, we welcome to the program for the first time Quinn Hacker. Quinn is the chef manager of Retreat Behavioral Health in the, the Lancaster area. And as I said, first time on the program. So we welcome uh, Quinn to the program. Quinn, th- thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting me drag you out of the kitchen. <laughs> no problem. I enjoy getting out of the hot, sweltering kitchen anytime. Well, if you can't stand the heat, Quinn. <laughs> if you can't stand the heat, then you become a teacher. <laughs> you get out of the kitchen. Anyway, uh, I have, I'll tell you on a personal note, I've had the occasion to uh, eat lots of food that have been produced by, uh, by Quinn's Kitchen uh, here at Retreat. And uh, this is, without, without exaggeration, you know, this is some good stuff. This food up here is very good. We'll tell you about why that's important on a number of levels with regard to the treatment of substance abuse as the program uh, progresses. But uh, we're, we're real pleased to have Quinn uh, Quinn with us, and he's got his uh, he's got his whites on, and uh, and he and he looks every part the chef that you you might imagine. So Quinn, tell us about yourself, where you're from, and your background, and your schooling. Well, I am originally from Lancaster County. Uh, my schooling was in Providence, Rhode Island. I went to Johnson Wills University. Um, Steve, earlier you said to me in a private conversation that it's one of the best. I agree and I disagree. Um, <laughs> things like culinary school is you you get what you put into it. Mm-hmm. So if you put your heart, your soul into it, you come out of there with top knowledge. If you go to the CIA or you go to Johnson Wales and you just go there to slack off, you don't Absolutely. you don't come out. No, that's true. And, you know, you I, end up being a fry cook at McDonald's. Yeah, and I'm and I'm, and I'm uh, fairly certain that your folks didn't bribe anybody to get no, you to absolutely Johnson and Wales. Not. <laughs> I only mentioned Johnson and Wales because I spent a lot of time in New England and. Uh, that name comes up along with the Culinary Institute of America as, you know, one or two of the best schools in the country. Anyway, um, how many years in this field now as a chef? I have been in this field for 25 years as a chef. Um, I've held pretty much every position but a pastry chef. I can pull off a couple desserts if I have to. Uh, That's just if I have to. That's kind of indicative of guys in your position that you don't begin in a kitchen, I'm guessing, as the the chef. You, you, You begin... At the bottom of the rung, correct? Most definitely. They don't tell you that when they recruit you for culinary school. They tell you you're going to get out of here, you're going to be an executive chef making 90000 a year, day one. They don't tell you about how you're going to get out and you're going to be a dishwasher for the first five years and maybe, just maybe, somebody will let you peel a carrot. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, and and you've seen this in your what? You're, you're in the business now 25 years. You, you've seen the rise of the celebrity chef. I mean, chefs in, now in particular oh. are, are superstars. It's absolutely amazing. You go from having Graham Kerr and Julia Child who had an hour TV show to a full network. And you go from that full network to multiple networks where anybody can cook anything and they make it look like perfection every single time. Yeah, we have a, 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 an incredible relationship with, with the idea of food and eating in general for, for the country's culture as a whole. And as you say, it's an entire industry now, not only preparing food, but writing about food, talking about food, recommending food. And as I said, this, the rise of the celebrity chef is no a secret to anybody who pays any attention to this stuff. So it's great to have someone like you here uh, because you're not in this to, to, to want, you know, I, maybe you'll wind up on the, on the cover of Bon Appetit. I hope you do. But, but you're, you're in this uh, f- for a more um, uh, fundamental reason. You, you, you love making food and you, you want to help out. That's what we're going to talk about today on Recovery Radio, and that's the role of uh, preparing food for a, a group of people who are already you know, have their hands full trying to deal with their, their substance abuse problems. Uh, so on any, uh, tell us in, in general, how many people here at Retreat are you and your kitchen responsible for feeding at any given time? Any given time, it's 150 to 175 patients with 30 to 40 staff members. That's three meals a day, seven days a week. You know, it, it's not an easy task. How, how, what's you, what is your relationship with with the the, the patients that are uh, that are in uh, the residential? Because you, we're talking about the residential population here. Um, do they come up to you? Do they have suggestions? Are they are, are they just like anybody else who's in a restaurant? They're just like anybody else in any restaurant anywhere. You have the great customers who are like, "Oh, this is amazing! This is the best food I've ever had in my life." To that was salty. This is too bitter. Why would you make this? This was soggy to, you know, I can make that better. And they throw down the gauntlet and they ask and they, they want to see things. Um, we do a, a culinary program every Monday and Wednesday night where in the past we had a very structured four things that we would do. And who I take, take, who takes part in this program? Uh, myself and the patients. And the patients. We hold up to about 25 patients and what they used to do is they would do these very structured things. And I like structure, but I want to be able to teach them, let them know that how to do something on their own at home. So I ask them suggestions. What do you want to do? What would you like to see? And I've had stuff as basic as making omelets to making a traditional lasagna with a bechamel to rolling sushi to making pizzas. We have all this stuff and it's what they want to see and it's what they want to learn so they they bring me suggestions and i roll with it yeah you know what's interesting about that uh and we'll, we'll get deeper into it as we go go forward uh, abusing substances whether it's alcohol or drugs has the obvious effects that we you know we all read and hear about or maybe even have experienced but, but, but there is also the component of what goes on with your body your body is just devastated by substance abuse because you're not taking care of yourself you're not you don't worry about eating you're all you know you're consumed with the drug and, and uh, everything else uh, uh, sort of goes goes to hell so so when you have these culinary classes you, you're not just telling people hey maybe you'll become a chef here's some neat stuff you can make you are re-educating people on on how to live healthy right oh most definitely and it's it's the very basics you know you i ask most of the patients when they come to the class you know what do you normally eat 
McDonald's, Sheets, you know, Wendy's, and, and it's all generated around fast food, inexpensive, quick-made, cheap products. And I'll go through and I'll explain to them how you can make something from scratch with ingredients that are fresh that are inexpensive. You just have to look for them and know what you're looking for and where to go and get them. And we don't go as far as having to buy special equipment. It's stuff that you can do with a fry pan. I take the class out of the kitchen and I do it on a giant counter with no electricity, a Bunsen burner, a pot, and a pan. Basics. What's the reaction of, of the, of the uh, patients here to, to that class? Are they enthusiastic about it? Uh, it's extremely enthusiastic about it. They absolutely love it. They come up with um, – well, the one, the one gentleman I had, he attended every single one that I had for his time here. And by the end, he walked in, he went over, he got the metal bowl, the whip, and started whipping cream. And one of the patients asked him, you know, what are you doing? He's like, he does things the hard way. He does it so that we can do this on our own at home. And I had no no part of setting him up coming in other than I had the materials out. He came in. He grabbed the heavy cream, a little bit of powdered sugar, vanilla, and started whipping. Now, it's interesting. We can already see how um, therapeutic that would be uh, without regard to the fact that these folks are going to wind up eating better, which is what you know nutrition is about. Um, but we can see the therapeutic uh, uh, value in all of that. Uh, one of the things people are, are uh, confused about when it when it comes to people in recovery is how much they have to learn about everything. Prior to being sober, they only cared about one thing, and that was getting and staying high. So they don't know the basics of anything, and that certainly extends to the kitchen, right? It, it definitely, you know that it's the absolute basics that they don't get you know um if you're if you're brought up in the thinking of you know i need this fix i need this fix you don't care how you do it so if you don't care about how you're getting that you're not going to care about where you're getting your food what you're getting for food and it's you know the part of the culinary program is to show them to teach them the extreme basics again that anybody, absolutely anybody can do it. I had a young lady who couldn't even make eggs. She told me that. She's like, I can't make eggs. They burn every time and they're just not good. When she left, she was rolling and making homemade pasta. Now, is there anything wrong with buying box pasta? No, but... No, but there's nothing like homemade pasta. No, but you can't need it. You can't get (laughs) frustrations out. You can't focus on taking the raw products and making pasta dough and rolling it out and it's just something about it. Uh, how many people in your staff did you say? I have eleven people in my staff. Tell me what your day what, what your day is. When does it start, and what does it involve in the course of a normal day cooking for people in recovery? For my own personal day, I start around five thirty in the morning. You know, I get up, I have my first pot of coffee, and I start looking through the orders, making sure everything's coming in, what's here, what's not here, working on menus for the following week. Um, when I get into work, we touch base, we talk about where we're at with everything and see um, how far we are, what we have, what we're lacking on, anything we need to quick change, make sure everything's tasting right to get lunch out for everyone. You know, Your first meal is breakfast, though? The, the first meal is definitely breakfast, yeah. but you know, it, when I first came to the retreat six months ago, I had all these ideas of how we were going to make it this five-star gourmet breakfast and quickly realized that... Scrambled eggs, potatoes, French toast, pancakes is what people are looking for for breakfast. They want the nicer lunches, the nicer dinner. They're not 
extremely concerned about having frittatas and stiratas and everything else like that for breakfast. They want scrambled eggs, potatoes, and to move on with their morning. Uh, Quinn Hackers, our guest, Qu- uh, Quinn is the uh, chef manager of uh, Retreat Behavioral Health here at the Lancaster or the effort in Lancaster County facility. And he has joined us uh, during what is designated as Nutrition Month. Uh, Incidentally, um, the the month designated to uh, educate the public uh, on the importance of making informed food choices and, um, you know, directing people towards uh, sound eating habits. That's important for everybody, but it can be critically important that people understand the role of nutrition in their lives when they are trying to remain sober, clean and sober, after suffering from substance abuse. That's what we're talking about. We have more, maybe even a couple of recipes here. Straight ahead on Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martirano uh, is uh, who I am. My guest in this uh, studio for this program is Quinn Hacker. Quinn is the chef manager at Retreat Behavioral Health, and he's here to talk to us about the role of nutrition, not only in uh, getting a uh, uh, someone in recovery healthy and eating better, but but also as uh, actually as a tool uh, of therapy. Uh, it's really fascinating, Quinn, to hear you talk about that culinary class you run here. You know, before we get into the uh, some of the, the uh, details about what substance abuse does to you nutritionally, how it depletes it. I'm sure you're aware that in your business, in kitchens, um, in restaurants, there's a very high incidence of uh, substance abuse. It, 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 that's, is that your experience? That you've- it, it definitely is. And it's uh, it's part of the reason I got into the healthcare field of it is, you know, I went the roundabout way. I went through nursing homes to get here. And I left the the restaurant world because I honestly, I was tired of seeing my friends die. You know, I've had. That's no I've, exaggeration. No, by absolutely the way. no exaggeration. Oh. I've. It, it, it's saddening, and I'm going to try not to well up on you here, but I've had four phenomenal sous chefs pass away because of opiates, and it's just, it's unreal. Then having multiple friends who end up in rehabs and have been able to have been successful to move on, they part ways with the restaurant. Yeah. Well, Anthony Bourdain's uh, famous book, uh, Kitchen Confidential, which is over 20 years old now. Uh, talked about that at great length. Certainly, he he talked about him. He 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 abused drugs as a young chef. But I've known people in the business for years. Yeah, it's a very high stress, fast paced, uh, demanding context. Cooking I, in kitchens. Oh, absolutely. I I remember this one day distinctly, and it was one of the last times I ever worked with a gentleman. Um, phenomenal chef, absolutely top notch. Um, he had recipes in his in his locker that were just years beyond his means and he was standing there boning out chicken with essentially a razor sharp knife eyes completely closed drifting back and forth and it was like holy crap something's really wrong with him and we found out later on that he was doing heroin in his car went home that night and that was it yeah yeah, I, just but, absolutely devastating. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the areas of uh, it should be of a particular concern for that industry. What goes on in kitchens with regard to substance abuse? It, before we began, you and I had a brief conversation before we began the program where we talked about the role of nutrition. We we all want to eat better. 
Uh, we, we all know that nutrition, good nutrition, good eating habits have a major role to play in anybody's life. Uh, we, of course, are talking about those factors with regard to people who are trying to get clean and sober. Um, now, nutrition, the idea of good nutrition is is a moving target. It, it's not... Every day we know, well, eggs are good for us this week, and last week they weren't good for us. How does someone in your position manage to stay ahead of the curve when it's always changing? It, it, it's extremely challenging. Um, for me personally, I read like there's no tomorrow. I can't stand reading, but I still do it. I get every magazine known to man. I read every little article, blog I can possibly find because I am not a nutritionist. I don't have that degree. I don't have that background. I just have the knowledge of what I know from the industry and from reading. And that's how I stay up on it. Here at the retreat, we have a great program where they send out medical alerts to let me know when we have somebody that has a nut allergy or someone who has celiac or Crohn's or one of the billions of different issues that could possibly be out there. And I say billions, sort of joking, but sort of not joking, because there's there's just so many out there. No, it's incredibly exasperating for the public in general to uh, try, try to figure out, you know, you know, well, what is a healthy eating um, regimen? You know, what what kinds of things should I avoid um, when when it, it does seem to change all the time? We do know something, though, some many things very specifically about the nutritional deficiencies that result from substance abuse. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what what people in recovery are suffering from when you know when they get here in terms of nutrition? Oh, it's it's unreal what they're suffering from because you know you don't know you don't know exactly what they were on, what they were taking, what possibly they are allergic to. What did they not tell you? But when you get into it, you like I personally know like people that are alcoholics tend to be more diabetic. So they're watching their carbs, they're watching their sugars, they're watching what's going in. Uh, people that are um, on cocaine, they usually need higher amino acids. So, you know, they're looking for protein, they're looking for beef, they're looking for tuna, nuts, legumes, anything like that to rebuild the basic proteins in their brain for the building blocks of everything we do every day. Yeah. We we know that uh, the re the reason that substance abuse and addiction is now you know considered a disease it is a disease of the brain because your brain gets rewired on these on these drugs you're not making clear choices there's a compulsion that you can't control uh, the the other thing that has to be sort of rewired is your relationship to to food correct absolutely it's 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 funny you said that because I think of. A gentleman who told me, you know, it takes 21 days for someone to relearn something. I, I think that's a crock. I think it's one day to start. On the 21st day, you've got a good grasp of it, but it takes a lifetime to get back to what you should be doing. You know, and I say should be doing by what we know your body needs or what you know your body needs because not every diet is for everybody. Yeah. Uh, let's take a moment here before we take another break uh, and just a moment to talk about the detox uh, situation. People come here, they need first, many of them, first of all, to be uh, detox. They need that drug out of their system. That's a very critical time for a lot of people in um, in recovery. It, it must have a, detox must have um, uh, a, a difficult relationship when, with eating during that period of time. Are you, are you aware, of, do you feed that, population differently we, we handle them slightly differently not a lot um, we still offer them the exact same food that any other patient would be offered 
they get the golden pass though. They can eat any time of day. If they wake up at one o'clock in the morning and they say, hey, you know what? I'm hungry. We have something available for them. We offer them beverages that are higher in electrolytes, things with uh, whey protein or other proteins in it to help them get back to where they need to be. Um, and I have found with the detox patients, a lot of them, they need to stay away from the spice. And that's where that's the, the double-edged sword that we get is on one hand, the patient base wants spice. And on the other hand, the detox patients don't want spice. So we have to go this very fine line. Do, the, do we know why they, they uh, don't want spicy foods? Uh, it's usually because of their stomachs. Just too, too you know, hard the on Stomach them. linings have been used and abused so bad that it just tends to hurt. Mm. Quinn Hacker, a chef manager at Retreat Behavioral Health, is our guest. We're talking about the role of nutrition and good eating habits. Uh, when you are on the road to recovery. This is Recovery Radio. We have more. Stick around. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We will uh, rejoin our guest, Quinn Hacker, chef manager, straight ahead as we continue talking about the role of nutrition in recovery. But I wanted to remind you that uh, the whole thing here, brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, and do my little sidewalk routine here each and every program, I, I want to give you Retreat's phone number for a number of reasons, um, not least of which is that you're going to get somebody to answer the phone when you call who can answer your questions. So anything you hear on the program or any questions you have at all about the issue of addiction and recovery, someone at Retreat Behavioral Health will do their best to get you answers. Uh, and I say this every week, and I'll say it again. I'm going to give you their phone number and... and um, I hope you never have to use it. But in a, a moment of uh, extreme need, um, this this could be a, a lifesaver for people. So here's their phone number. Write it down. Put it in the drawer. And as I said, I hope you don't have to use it. But if you do, it can be a lifesaver. 855-859-8808. That's how you reach Retreat Behavioral Health. They will answer your questions. 855 855- Eight five nine eight eight zero eight. From their Lancaster facility, Chef Manager Quinn Hacker has been our uh, is our guest on the program. It, just a topic that boy, you know, we should have gotten around to this uh, a long time ago because it's it's fascinating, uh, and there's more that we'll talk about. So I'm sure we'll have Quinn back um, at least another time to talk about his role here, cooking for people in uh, recovery. So. Uh, Quinn, let's talk about some of the specific areas of food and its preparation um, that this this population of people need to be aware of, and you do as well. And I'll just rattle off some topics, and you tell us the role they play. Sugar is the big one. Tell us about sugar. Sugar is the biggest of them all. It's the big mama. It's the head cheese. Everybody – well, not everybody. I shouldn't say that. Most people that come in – need to be watching their sugars and that's part of our job we look at what we put out every day the food wise the hot foods the different options we try to cut back on starches offer darker leafy greens we offer a salad bar for them and then there is the artificial sweeteners that go along with the sweeteners which in my opinion it's robbing peter to pay paul yes they're not as bad for you as white sugar or cane sugar, but they trick your body into the same thought process of getting the sugars. 
I'm a I'm a big advocate of the no sugar. Um, I watch a lot of blogs. I read a lot of things about how sugar in most people's opinions is the new cocaine. Because once you get a little bit of the sugar, you want more, and then you want more, and you want more, and what you end up with is blood sugars through the roof, mood swings, attitudes, and constant hunger. Like, you you think you're hungry now, eat some sugar, and 15 minutes later, you're going to want to devour more, and then more, and then more, and it, it goes ridiculous. Well, that, you know, that description of the, the effect sugar has... <laughs> Uh, resonates with it, with everybody, I think, and in the, in the general population, we all confront confront that problem. But but in the the group of people you're dealing with, the people you have to cook for, all of the things you just described have a have a, have an additional uh, uh, damage potential for damage. In that you're already talking about people who have compulsions and who can sub- think they can substitute one thing for another. Sugar sugar certainly fits that bill, right? Oh, it definitely does. You know, sugar. Uh, like I said earlier, most alcoholics go tend to go for the sugar because it gives them that, that blood sugar spike. Well, if you are a long-term alcoholic, there's high chances that you're diabetic. So if you're diabetic, you're not producing your own insulin, so you're eating sugar, then your blood sugar spikes so high, and you get your ups and your downs, and it's a giant mess. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with people here at a place like Retreat who have special, uh, special diets that they need? For instance, diabetics, they can't eat what... Other people can eat, right? Do you have to deal, you deal with all that as well? We do deal with that as well. Um, we sort of go along with the lines of the American Diabetic Association, and, and it's moderation. Now, they're grown adults. They're not children, so we can't force them to do something. We give them the offerings. We offer flavored waters in place of juices. You know, we have unsweetened tea only. We have coffees that are hot and cold, but they're not sweetened. We give them the options. Mm-hmm. Let, let's take a, a look at the, another area that is devastated by substance abuse, and that's the person's uh, vitamin intake. Uh, vitamins, you know, when, you, when you're not eating right and you're constantly eating the fast foods, you're skipping over key vitamins all over the place. And what I've told people already is uh, think back to when you were a kid and it's your Flintstone strong and growing. There's a reason they get, use the Flintstones because they were popular. It was, you know, Flintstones, you know, you want to do it. You want to take those vitamins. You need to take a multivitamin. Being older now, I realize that I need a multivitamin. But what I focus more on are the Bs, the B12s, the complex B. They make super B vitamins. And what that does is it adjusts your mood. It adjusts um, your hunger spikes. You just want to be happier. Like it, it's unreal that if you take those B vitamins for a week, you get this buildup and you are just a happier person. Talk a little bit about mood and in, in, uh, elevating one's mood through their diet and how important that is to somebody who's trying to stay sober. It's it's extremely important because when you're when you're eating poor quality food, you are looking for the next thing. You want the next, you want more, but when you're eating high quality, good for you food, you're constantly full. You're not looking for something else. That's and a key point because that uh, one of the things you hear from people who have, uh, who are abusing substances is that they uh, their their entire experience has been to try to fill a void 
something's missing. Let me see if I can substitute drugs for that feeling. And food needs to do that as well. You're right. You can continue eating and never feel sated or satisfied. And that only leads to perhaps even eating disorders yeah it it'll go right down that road into the eating disorders you know bulimia anorexia um the binge eating and if you're not careful with it like if you if you're eating the fast foods the the lower quality foods the uh a lot of grains like i i'm i might get off topic here steve i am i am a firm believer in the food pyramid was absolutely built upside down and completely wrong well, that's another thing that's undergone changes lately because there's a lot of people oh, yeah. who now agree with you. And that's it, we we always had this big base of grains where you're supposed to eat nine to twelve portions of it a day. That's absolutely ludicrous because when you eat the grains, it just turns into sugar, and sugar turns into blood spikes, and blood spikes turn into anger moods, and it just goes on right down the line. Yeah. But it the to me the the grains should be in the very top piece with the sugars the sugar should be the very tippy top of it and then you have your grains and you break down into your fruits and vegetables then your meats your dairy and your fats and now when i say fats i don't mean sitting there eating a tub of bacon fat i mean avocado oil olive oil avocados that kind of good fats the omega-3s that you need and then the very bottom should be dark leafy greens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and following that that's my lifestyle that's how i eat i follow that lifestyle and it you're never hungry you're never looking for the next thing we want to pause here for just one second and make the and make people understand why when you look at a, a treatment facility that's that offers a range of things if it's a good treatment facility one of the things they're going to point out right away is that our food is good it's good and it's healthy that's important for all the reasons you just explained but it's also important because it keeps people it gives people one less excuse to bail on this thing, right? Absolutely. One of the first things that was said to me when I got here was don't give anyone a reason to leave. And if someone comes to me and says, I need a grilled cheese and grilled cheese isn't on the menu that day, I'm sure making them that grilled cheese. You know, we'll go through the proper channels, we'll get the proper documentation for them to get that grilled cheese, but they will get a grilled cheese. I don't want to see them walking off property and going to a sheets and getting something and then on the way back saying, hey, you know what? While I'm here, why not pick up something else that I don't need? Yeah. A- anyone who's had an experience with getting somebody to uh, to treatment to begin with and then and then committing to it and staying to it knows that the person in active addiction is looking for any reason in the world to, to get out of the situation they're in. Uh, and it's easy to complain about the food. So it's, it's important uh, for therapeutic reasons and not just to enhance the sort of reputation of the treatment facility we have. We have great food. Food is important. It's very important in general and certainly critically important when somebody's struggling with uh, substance abuse and trying to get uh, sober. Uh, uh, Quinn, uh, I'm going to take another break here in a, in a minute or two, but tell us the role of amino acids. The amino acids, um, that it's the building block. You know, everybody needs them. It's what, the, what your brain uses to build proteins. You know, and here at the retreat, we are extremely generous with giving you those amino acids. At every meal, we offer three different proteins. And in those three proteins, there's always a dark meat of some sort. And that's where your amino acids are in. And then we always have a fish product. Again, higher in the amino acids. We offer the dark greens. There's legumes. For our vegans and vegetarian friends, we offer a ton of amino acids. And I... I really didn't think about that until Steve asked me to come on and, you know, I'm looking over amino acids. I'm like, man, 
I don't think we really offer that many. And then I looked at our menu and it's like, wow, they're not even knowing that we were doing it. We're offering them this nutrition that they don't even know they're getting. And again, there's, there's, there's an obvious benefit to that. You're eating better. But with regard to building people's confidence, getting their cognitive uh, you know, abilities straight, uh, getting a positive attitude, you, you begin at something as basic, as basic as an amino acid. It's, it's unreal that it's, like you just said, it's that basic. And from there, you know, they'll build up the amino acids and they'll start getting in their omega-3s. And that's, again, where we offer fatty fish. You know, everybody loves salmon. You you can't get much better than salmon. You know, I I thought to myself the one day, I was like, you know, I'm going to try to bring in mackerel. Mackerel right around this time of season. It's in season. It's relatively inexpensive. I personally love it. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to be run out of town. You know, I bring you substituting. Uh, yeah, if I, if I would bring in a mackerel and say, hey, you know what? Tonight instead of salmon, we're going to give you mackerel. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be seeing people marching down our hill to go and find something that's not mackerel. Quinn Hacker, uh, chef manager here at Retreat Behavioral Health in Lancaster. We're talking about nutrition and its role in recovery from substance abuse. This is Recovery Radio. Stick around. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We're talking about nutrition and the uh, the role it plays, and it's a big role, in uh, people who are in recovery. It's National Nutrition Month in March. You probably weren't aware of that. Um, we, we have with us uh, Quinn Hacker. Quinn is the uh, chef manager at Retreat Behavioral Health. He, he's been great. You've been great talking about this stuff. I'm obviously very passionate about it. Uh, Quinn, uh, you're not only responsible for... for um, preparing the food for people at a residential treatment facility like uh, like retreat but you also buy the food correct yes sir no you know the lancaster county area where you work is just surrounded by by farms and um small purveyors where do you get most of your stuff locally or how do you where does that food come from we do purchase from a large purveyor Uh, we go through mostly like u.s foods or a cisco but through them they also offer local produce so we can order a lot of our produce locally now time of year that we're in we're not mm-hmm. we're not blessed with the best so you know it's a lot of potatoes onions and cabbages right now but when it's in full swing the the providers they have everything and it's just it's unreal that you can you can purchase tomatoes from them from Texas or you can purchase local tomatoes in Pennsylvania at the same time, and you get them both in, and one is this pale, white, rock-hard thing. Texan tomato. Yes, a Texan tomato. And the other is this beautiful Washington Borough tomato that is just gaga. uh, Let's talk about, uh, and I wanted to say this uh, for the final uh, portion of the interview because it's so fascinating, and frankly, I, I really wasn't that well aware about it. Now, I know Retreat, has a garden that's up on up on the hill at the residential facility uh, and a lot of stuff is grown there you can tell us about that but it's also a tool in therapy tell us about uh, the gardening program well i'm extremely excited about the garden and again i've only been here for six months so i've been here for the months where we don't do much with it but what we have been doing with it is we have been throwing coffee grounds out and eggshells and um oh, i just lost the word 
the, fa- the fancy food that you put out there to make the dirt better. <laughs> yeah, you're fertilizing. Yes, the, the, thank you, fertilizing. <laughs> okay. And I'm excited for it because it's one of those things I'm very passionate about because you can get in there, you get your hands dirty, you're working with the earth, you're growing your own food, and it's something that I personally am afraid of is – we're not going to remember how to garden. We're not going to know how to grow our you own mean food. You mean in general? In general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you're not talking about you and your staff mucking around here in the garden. You're talking about bringing in, bringing in people in treatment, right? Oh, definitely. We're definitely bringing in patients to do it. They're going to be out there helping us weed, plant it, and watering it, going through, watching it, showing it how it grows. And one of the things that you and I talked about earlier was – like we're not going to plant watermelons because watermelons, they take 120 days to mature. Well, if you're in treatment for 120 days, you have amazing insurance and I need that. We're going to plant corn. We're going to plant things that grow quickly. You know, corn, you plant it in the first 30 days, you're going to have a shoot that goes from a couple inches upwards of a foot. And the next person will come in, they'll see it at this stage and it'll just keep going. Yeah. Why, why do you think it's important to have the, the, um, the patient involved in a gardening project where they can, you know, as you said, they don't have to leave and not see the fruits of their labor. It's important for them to see results, right? It's completely gratifying. It gives you that joy of, I can do this. You know, it's something very basic. It's, um, I don't want to equate the patients to my children, but that's what I do with my kids. I, they plant corn. They plant it in zigzags all over the way, any different direction you can possibly imagine, but they are so excited when that shoot comes up. And then when that shoot gets to a foot, and then when it hits five foot and you see it bloom, it's just amazing. How, how, do, how, do the, how would someone who is at retreat um, going through their, their, uh, their treatment uh, wind up gardening? Do they have to sign up for that, or is, how does that work? It's all sign up. We put out a sheet every morning. Who wants to come down? Who wants to attend it? It's I, again, I haven't been there yet, so I'm just going on past experiences that I've heard mm-hmm. that it runs about a half hour to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. We go out, we will weed, we'll tend it, we'll look at it, we'll plant, we'll rototill, we'll do the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's so great talking about this because when I talk to people about treatment in general, and they know, you know, I, I have this relationship with with retreat behavioral health, and it, very often people will give you that cynical. Oh, what are you kidding me? Drum therapy, art therapy, come on, equine therapy. Oh, they're going to do something in a garden. But when when you really think about what you just described, it, there's a tremendous, not only is it nutritionally better to grow your own food, there's a tremendous therapeutic value to getting your hands dirty and seeing the results, right? Oh, it's definitely. Um, coming from restaurants where, you know, it's high stress and there's anger, there's cursing, there's throwing, there's the whole nine yards Anthony Bourdain portrayed in that book. Mm-hmm. To coming home and going out and just getting your hands in the dirt, relieving the stress, it's so relaxing. I'm not talking about doing a Zen garden or planting the little rock plants or anything like that. I'm talking about getting out there, getting your hands dirty, and then seeing the fruits of your labor and what you can do with it. And what my plan is, is as the garden grows... We're going to turn it and use that into our culinary program. So we'll start doing nicer, fresh vegetables that, you know, say Steve's one of my patients. And he comes down to the garden on Monday morning and helps me tend it. We go through, we pick, and we pick fresh heirloom tomatoes. We go over to the herb section and we pick out some fresh basil. That day we're making a crazy salad for dinner. 
you know, it's great. It, it, it's great. I love I love that idea. And uh, we're gonna have you back, and you know, after you get more time under your belt with the with the garden therapy, and uh, and check in on on its progress. Quinn Hacker, uh, you're obviously passionate about this. Thanks so much. Uh, I think you've made it abundantly clear how important it is in a uh, treatment um, context that people um, eat well and uh, develop good habits to get their bodies back together, but also to get their substance abuse under control. You're very welcome, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Quinn Hacker, our guest here on Recovery Radio. So it's National Nutrition Month. Uh, You know, lay off the carbs and the sugar and um, look for Recovery Radio. We, we are, by the way, streamed everywhere. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes. Wherever finer podcasts can be heard, look for Recovery Radio. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.